Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am one of your hosts, Corwin Hiller. Ho! And it is um, August 18th. I have to look at the date every single time, even though we record this shit at night and it's been this day all day. I will never remember. Um, and there is a whole mess of shit going on in the world. So we have a ton to talk about today, more than usual. And we actually mildly prepared, which is a shock. So Emphasis on mildly. Let's not go too crazy here. Oh, please. More mild than your average white man's spicy setting requests at a Thai restaurant. Uh, As someone who just basically shit themselves after eating a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> that is factual. <laughs> Jokes on you, motherfucker. I shit myself every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, oh. let's uh let's start on a positive note joseph middle name vado actually do i have joey vado's middle name danger it should be unfortunately i don't see one on his baseball reference page so sorry joey uh can oh uh, there it is joseph daniel vado nicknames vado matic toki two or jovo wow those are awful i've never heard the other two toki two T-O-K-K-I, and then the number two. No, that doesn't exist. His nickname's Joey Votto because it's very short to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, that's weird. Joseph Votto, Joseph Daniel Votto, uh, Toronto's son, uh, got his 2,000th hit in the MLB, the MLB, in MLB the other day. Against the Cubs, he is now standing, as of recording this, at 2,001 hits because he ended up getting two hits that game. Space Odyssey. He is uh, is now a holder of over 2,000 hits, over 300 home runs, uh, a career over 300 batting average, a career over 400 on base, a career over 500 slugging. He has an MVP, six-time All-Star, a gold glove. The only thing he doesn't really have hardware-wise is playoff stuff because team stats, yada, yada, yada. And it, first of all, Corwin Heller, let me let me, let me me start you asking here. Uh, why is it so much fun to root for this random-ass Cincinnati Reds first baseman? Um, before I answer that, I just want to throw out there that I got a Joey Votto trivia question wrong last Monday night. You fool. At Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, the question was, which of these players is Canadian-born and has won an MVP? And I was I knew from the start it was one of either Joey Votto or Ryan Braun. And I knew Joey Votto was Canadian, and I knew Ryan Braun had won an MVP but I didn't know if they were both Canadian or if they had both won an MVP. So I just randomly picked Ryan Braun and was incorrect. He is one of America's sons. And I shamefully got it wrong because Joey Votto is one of my favorite players outside of the Padres and Pirates. He is just so much fun to watch. Doesn't give a fuck what other people think is just out there for the love of the game plays with an attitude is so fuck. He chokes up on the bat. What more could you want? Dude is just there to win baseball games and play ball. He is. 
I just so a player that I think everyone of all age demographics enjoys. He is a young man's ball player because he does all the stuff that modern statistics tell you to do. He gets on base a ton. He hits the ball very hard. He oftentimes hits it in the air. You know, he's got good base running. Like he, he doesn't swing out the zone much. He walks. I think I already said he walks a ton. He got great on base percentage, like all that shit. And then he's an old school baseball player as guy too, because when he swings, if he's in an 0-2 count or if he's in a two strike count, like Corbin said, he'll choke up on the bat and he'll try to put mm-hmm. the ball in play and make some contact. He is everyone's favorite ball player because he combines those two skills and he's fucking hilarious. He's also old. He's just Ish. old. Yeah, kind of. He's old for a baseball player, not for, you know, a real person. Yeah, it is weird to think that he's 37. 37 not he was old. that old holy shit yeah <laughs> yeah okay wait hold on i was looking at a leaderboard because bring i ran out a, your a, a search um bring out your dad how many this is totally irrelevant to what we're talking about but is it this show if, if it isn't um how many career home runs do you think ozzy smith has ozzy smith ozzy smith the wizard you know 45. 77 career war he played for 19 seasons um i'll say he had 250 250 yeah 28 ozzy smith had 28 home runs his career high season in home runs was 1985 when he had six how many seasons did he not have a home run one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh God, seven so seasons without a home run out of his 19-year career. And he had four seasons with only one home run, which means that there's 11 of his seasons he had one or fewer home runs. Wow, Ozzy. I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. And the craziest thing is he still has over 75 career war. <laughs> like, he I imagine was so if, good. If you gave us 600 plate appearances and talent notwithstanding, like, look at the size of my arms. Like, they are roughly the width of my own hair. I think I could luck into two. At, at least multiple home runs in a season with 600 plate appearances. Like there would be a gust of wind. There would be some, some kind of miracle event an earthquake that sinks half the stadium. So it just sneaks over a wall and miraculously could make two home runs in a season. And he had over half of his seasons of a incredibly long career without even that. It's crazy. I love baseball. And he's also very fast. You think he'd maybe like luck into a couple inside the parkers inside the here parks, and there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. What if every single one of his home runs was an inside the park home run? That would only power. add for me. <clears throat> yeah, that would only make it better. Oh, so you mean those. Eric Hosmer, but fast. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, all right. But anyway, the query I was looking up was how many ball players have over a thousand, over 2,000 hits and over a thousand walks and over 300 home runs. So these are all just, you know, okay. counting stats. 
Sure. Uh, in the history of MLB, Corbin Heller, how many people do you think have achieved that feat? 2,000 hits, 1,000 walks, and 300 home runs. Uh, a dozen. More than that, okay, a tight, know. even 50. Okay. That's still not an outrageous number. Yeah, no, that's that's actually if you think about a, how prioritized because we we've gone through a couple errors here where mm-hmm. you know the hit was highly prioritized for most of baseball history so that you don't get a too many old timey dudes unless they played a ridiculous amount of seasons who get to a thousand walks because walking wasn't concerned with as much as putting the ball in play and then today's hitters who are obviously everyone still wants to get a hit and no ball player goes up to the batter's box. I think almost every baseball player you'd ask would rather get a single than a walk, I think in their minds, but like you are more patient because you understand that walks also are very valuable Uh, and they tend to not to get so many hits. And it's also the focus of pitching to induce swings and misses and not avoid like you're going to just naturally walk more when you're putting so much movement on pitches, trying to get guys to miss outside the zone, things like that. Right. And so we enter this point here where there's really not a lot of like all the names here are either in the Hall of Fame or borderline cases because of honestly steroids. But because, <laughs> you know, so so Joey Votto mm-hmm. is uh, if we sorted this by by the home run, he is sandwiched right in between Ron Santo and George Brett. And Ron Santo is a name I'm not sure everyone's going to know. He is in the Hall of Fame, 70 war, third baseman for the uh, the Chicago Cubs forever. But uh, George Brett, I think, is probably a much more familiar name with his MVP award and his uh, getting, uh, I think, what is his thing? A home that, run in every decade for th- four decades or some shit. The guy decades. who charged the umpire also was in the Hall of Fame? I had no idea. Yeah, and also the very famous <laughs> thing of him assaulting an ump for saying that his... Uh, uh, Pine Tar was too high up on the bat, then hit a walk-off home run anyway to go fuck yourself. Without any hyperbole, that is truly the only reason I know who George Brett is. Kansas City Royals legend. But you look at the other names on this list. You know, Al Kaline, Cal Ripken Jr., Dave <laughs> Al Qaeda. <Winfield>. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Stan Musial, Lou Gehrig. Actually, you know what? A really interesting one is though Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. I'm so hard at a joke. I've been so ashamed. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> but dude, Miguel Cabrera. What is is so close to being in a complete list of his own here? Not list of his own, but in a very much more exclusive list because not only does he have over a thousand walks, he's 49 hits away from 3,000 hits, and he is one home run away from 500 home runs. That's it's not ex- enough to make me want to watch the Tigers, but I feel like I should. Hold on. I now have to sort by that or to take out some people for that because that's actually kind of ridiculous. Hold on. I'm, I'm changing my filters to make this. This is now an, a, an appreciation post of, of Miguel Cabrera. Before you, did, you already, did you already switch out of that list? I did. Why? Well, I can go back. I was going to ask just what, uh, what active players were on. Oh, so ahead of Joey Votto, hold on. Where'd you go, Joe? There you are. He's probably still in Cincinnati unless they're on the road right now. Uh, I'm scrolling up. There's not a lot of active people. Really, it's just Miguel Cabrera, 
and Albert Pujols. That's it. Those are the Pujols. only two guys, three guys, I guess, with over 2,000 hits, over 1,000 walks, and over 300 home runs that are playing today. That's it. Pujols was the only name I could even think of that would be on that list with those other two guys. So, And what's wild, additionally, it. is that Joey Votto, like Pujols and Cabrera are very much so on the way out. And Joey what? Votto looks really fucking good still. Like, he looks really fucking good still. He still isn't runs he the base as well. Isn't he on pace to set his career high in home runs? If not true? done so already. Yeah. He has 26 so far, and his high watermark for his career is 37. I mean, he's, I'm not sure he's, if that's on pace to pass it, but it's pretty fucking close. Um, so 91 games, so 26 divided by 26 divided by 97 times. How many games are left? Do you know? Uh, for Joey Votto or for the Reds, uh, I guess just call it 60. I, I, he, he's played okay. 91. So we'll say 150 total. Would put him on pace for 40 home runs, 40.2. Which is more than his career high watermark. Yeah. Wow, you'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, obviously his past several years, it had been trending down. But but this season, his 137 OPS plus is convincing. Like, it's very good. What the fuck is happening when a 37-year-old who has been in the majors for 15 seasons is setting a career high in home runs? In a non-juiced ball season, too. You can't even lean on that this year. This ball is not juicy. The fact that he's only a six-time All-Star is outrageous. I know. Excuse me. Because he's not a flashy guy. He's a lunch pail guy. Mm. He does Um, not. He has 21 career triples. That seems wild. So the list of players with over 500 home runs, over 2,000, over 3,000 hits, sorry, and over 1,000 walks, how many guys do you think that is? I'm just going to say it again. 1,000 walks, 3,000 hits. 500 home runs. 12. Six. Fuck. That's it. Six dudes. Corwin Heller. Name those dudes. Please don't make me. Please don't make me do this. Uh, Name those um, dudes. All right. So it's not Miguel Cabrera. Not yet. He's dangerously close, but not yet. I'll say fuck. Um, Fuck. Um, Albert Pujols. That's one of them. Um, uh, fucking who walked Mickey Mantle? Nope. Okay. Mm, Ted Williams. Actually, no. And that's a really good guess. I'm going to bet it's probably the home run total that he didn't have. Um, Babe Ruth. No. I would, I would guess it would forever. be the for him. Um, Mark McGuire, did he walk? Oh, Barry Bonds, for sure. No, Barry Bonds. So Barry didn't have 3,000 hits. Didn't have 3,000 hits. That was his problem. He walked, not his problem. He walked too much. How many hits did he have in his career? Do you know? So hold on. first, I'm looking at Ted Williams, who ended with 500 home <laughs> runs. So he doesn't qualify for this because walks. 2,000 walks. Hits, didn't have them. Didn't have the hits. 
Ooh, Ted shit. Williams only twenty six hundred fifty four hits. That's that's hilarious. Only. Yeah, only. Yeah, only. Um, can Babe we blame Ruth, World War Two for that? Actually, we can. Babe yes. Ruth didn't make it. Also, because of the hits, twenty eight seventy three had the walks, had the homers, and then Barry Bonds. You asked how many hits he retired with. Uh, yes. Twenty nine thirty five. So fucking close. Why the fuck couldn't he have stayed for another year? Because he got blackballed. <laughs> His balls are already black, Josh. Stop seeing race. Sorry, buddy. That was a good joke. I'm that was a very good. I, I full credit. That was a good joke. So uh, you got one name, Corwin. You want me to just give you the rest? Or do you please. Want to oh, my to... God, please. Okay. Moving our way up by home run. The bottom name, Eddie Murray. A uh, longtime Baltimore Oriole, but Comedian? he played for a bunch of teams. That's Eddie Murphy. This is uh, Eddie Murray, who is a Hall of Famer, 68.6 career war. First baseman, long time for the Orioles, apparently also played for, which I always forget the, those later teams because he's so ingrained as an Oriole in my head, but also played for the Dodgers, the Mets, the Cleveland team, the Orioles again, Anaheim, and the Dodgers again. All-time leader. All-time leader in intentional walks. Oh, sorry, not intentional Seriously? walks. Sorry, sack flies. I misread oh, it in the I was going to uh, say, I, say, I, I think I know not... who is the career leader in intentional I walks. I feel like that's Barry Bonds. Yeah, it's Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is five times as many as, as Eddie Murray. It's sack, sack flies. Um, and we, which, hey, all-time leader in sack After flies. we finish this conversation, can we look at the career list for intentional walks and Maybe. just see how much of a lead that he has? Maybe. Second Maybe. on this list is actually a very interesting name. It's Rafael Palmero, who uh, was a long time, never, never would have guessed it. And one of the reasons I think I never would have guessed it is I don't know much about Rafael Palmero. I know mm-hmm. the name, but he's not a, he's not a Hall of Famer. 72 career war is one of only six dudes to have crossed this threshold of over 500 home runs, over a thousand walks and over 3000 hits. And uh was it four-time All-Star, three-time Go-Go, two-time Silver Slugger? So never, I guess, like, you know, there's no MVP here. And he never even had a top-five finish. Oh, no, sorry. There is one top-five finish here. Uh, did he get busted with roids? He must have been a roids He guy. absolutely did, yeah. Yeah. Now, that, that, yeah. now I'm remembering why I know his name. That's a shame. So that brings us to the next name, Willie Mays. Makes sense. 660 home runs. Uh, fuck, I lost the walks. Uh, 1,400 walks, 3,200 hits. Above him, Albert Pujols. Above him, Alex Rodriguez. And then the number one guy on this I don't list. know why I didn't say Albert or Alex Rodriguez. That was the first name I thought of. Yeah. And then the number one guy played forever was the last active Negro League player in hey, baseball, Aaron. Henry Aaron. Fuck. I should have gotten that one. 3,771 hits. It's it's too many. It's too many, Mr. Aaron. You got too many hits. It was so many hits. And then it's like, well, did he walk? You bet your fucking ass he walked. 1,400 walks. I just thought of an episode idea for like a spreadsheet episode that we haven't done in forever. But like Hank Aaron, so many hits. Just so many hits. whole bunch of them. How many hits would he have if strikeouts were worth negative one hits? Or if like 
walks would be worth 0.5 hits or something like that. And just put a simple spreadsheet like that together with some multipliers and just who would lead all of baseball at the end of time, very bonds. But at the end of the day, like that would be so fun to look at. You know, what's also wild about Henry Aaron is that his strikeouts is lower than his walks. And I think he's the only guy on this list to be like that. Barry Bond, even? Well, he's Barry Bonds isn't on this list. So oh, Raphael right, Palmero. Because he, he didn't have the hits. Yeah. Raphael Palmero yes. also had fewer strikeouts than walks. And Albert Pujols is very close. He has one more strikeout than he does walk. So he used to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Albert. And then, it's amazing and then how it's amazing how this. like much he is tanking his own career numbers just by playing baseball. But we're all better for it. Eh, <laughs> I'm not the I, Angels. Kind well, of the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, Albert Pujols this season is worth negative 0.6 war, and his career war is 99.4, and he is just killing his chance of getting to an even hundred and it hurts. That is the insides. second time this season we've discussed this. At I least know. the second. Maybe I know. But anyway, this all to loop back around to fucking Joey Votto. Is Joseph Daniel Votto a Hall of Famer? Yes. I think so. Without question. I, I would think so. T- I don't want to say without question only because it's so tough to tell with Hall of Fame voters. It's you didn't so say tough. To what tell. hall? Canadian Hall of Fame. He's in for sure. Absolutely, he's Boom, in. He might be in today, for all we know. Technicalities, the best but, kind of correct. You know, with Joey Votto isn't going to be held back because of his ballpark, because you know we saw that with like Larry Walker, and it's happening to Todd Helton right now, where they're getting held back because of the the cores prehumidor error, whatever stupid bullshit. He still have to hit the ball. It's still very fucking hard. Uh, you, you also don't play there every game. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly. It's only half your fucking games, usually. Just uh, Now, granted, Great American Ballpark is a band box, but it's still different. And I think, hopefully, by the time Joey Votto retires and is Hall of Fame eligible five years post-retirement, it'll be a better environment for players like him. Because that's the other thing, is like you're not getting 3,000 3, hit guys anymore. After after Miggy, who? Who? Nobody. What would, what would Trap be on pace for? Trout? Yeah. Like, how long would he have to play at a relatively similar pace to what he has been to, to reach that? Well, luckily, nowadays, Baseball Reference gives us a 162-game pace, so you can just treat that as a year's pace. And yeah. he gets 178 hits per season, just about. He has uh, 1,419 hits. So if we went 3,000... Less 1,419 is that divided by 178 hits per season. That's uh, eight more years. <laughs> now, granted, there's a lot of injuries and stuff in there, so you probably have to tack on anywhere between 25 to 50% more seasons. But still, well, that means we're only looking at 10, 11 years. Sure. I'll say, thir- I'll say 13 seasons, 11 to 13 to be mean, to be super mean about it. And the fact that Trout is 29 means that in 13 seasons, I don't think he'd be Albert Pujols' age yet. So he could do it. I find that hilarious. I'm oh, sorry. He would be one year older than Albert Pujols is today. 
Oh, boo. And I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that Mike Trout's skill set um or Mike Trout's play style might age better than Pujols' since Pujols was a lifelong first baseman and Mike Trout is a career center fielder. And I think and his legs might hold up plus center fielder now. Yeah, who was going to eventually move to corner outfield and then first base, whereas once Pujols became enabled to do anything, I mean, oh boy, it got sad. Backup designated hitter. Yeah, platoon. The cornerstone DH. of every great team. <laughs> yep. But hey, Pujols never missed a season. Oh man, no, he had one year that he missed getting a stolen base. Damn you, 2020. You robbed us of so many American lives and an Albert Pujols stolen base season. That that season already has an asterisk. I am totally fine just looking over that. Yeah, I think I think Joey Votto has to be a Hall of Famer. I think I think he I, I need him to be. It doesn't make any sense if if he's not going to get in. I don't know who would get in. That plays like today. Roger Clemens. <laughs> no more Red Sox. <laughs> We have reached capacity for Red Sox players in the Hall of Fame. I don't want them. I don't care if they play for the Yankees. Red Sox, get out of here. Go home. Go, 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 go! Figure out what's happening in Boston. Start your own Hall of Fame down there, where no one cares. Eat a dick. Um, I was going to say, actually, speaking of which, we could talk about the Yankees Red Sox part of it, but we have mm, slightly bigger things to talk about. So let's actually pivot. Can we? Can we? Can we look at the all-time intentional walk leaderboard? Uh yes, let me let me do some adjustments here. Who in your mind, while I'm doing this, who in your mind is directly below Barry Bonds? Um, for intentional walks, um, I'd say Albert Pools is probably pretty high. Um, maybe Hank Aaron. Um, I feel like intentional walks have on more i guess i feel like they would catch on more i feel like it's one of those things where old-timey baseball would frown upon an intentional walk i have absolutely no data information or knowledge to back that up this is a wild list i'm just gonna let you know (laughs) please just go ahead so barry bonds is number one obviously 688 it's more than twice the amount of the guy at number two (laughs) so Albert Pujols is number two with the range of 15, which means that the distance between Albert Pujols and um, Barry Bonds is literally the difference between Albert Pujols and you and I. Albert Pujols is ahead of us personally in the intentional walks leaderboard by 315 intentional walks. And if you added that total to Albert Pujols' career total, he still wouldn't have as many as Barry Bonds. That's hilarious. Which makes me feel better about myself and my baseball abilities. Yeah, that's right. Fuck Albert Pujols. We could do what you do. <laughs> We're just shit on Albert Pujols for absolute. Albert Pujols is catching strays for no reason, and I love Albert Pujols. I'm so sorry. Albert Pujols is a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. Unanimous. And yes, we are shitting on him. There's no reason not because to vote for can. my boy because we are sitting behind the laptop screen, and there's nothing he can do to hurt us. But if he wanted to do something to hurt us, let me tell you, man, we're all here for. I would gladly catch a right hook from Albert Pujols if it meant I got to hang out with him for a day. <laughs> you know, I absolutely would too. Oh, and yeah. I feel That's like this is some, this is a TV show that I feel like should have been implemented by now. It's like, Hey, you're a huge star Wars fan. 
here's Han Solo. Mark it now. Mark Hamill wouldn't be scared of taking a punch from, but like Han Solo, Harrison Ford. Sure. No, well, well, he died. So, you know, Mm. hang out with Harrison Ford all day. You just have to get punched in the fucking dick by him. Just hard as he can. He's like, like, yeah, absolutely. Hard anymore. Oh, he's going to get tired mid punch. Uh, I thought you were making a joke about him being old and not being able to get hard anymore. Oh, why? Have, I don't care about his dick. Dude, we have done this again where we are still not off of our first topic. We're professionals. So Albert Pujols is number two, which is exactly what you said, which makes sense. Number three is Stan Musial, who retired, retired in 1963. That's kind of wild. Below him, Henry Aaron, which I think also makes sense. Constant home run threat, played forever. And then behind him is William McCovey, which same era. So I, I guess that also makes sense. But then behind him is Ted Williams. The first which, time I've ever heard someone refer to him by William and not Willie. Just throwing that actually, you know what? I thought it said William and it didn't. It said Willie. And I realized I said William because I was looking at Ted Williams' last name. Who was the person below him? Because you're right. It sounded weird coming out of like yeah. my mouth, but it was my, me who was wrong for the whole it's like time. half a second of like, who? Uh, William McCovey. Hmm. Anyway, so Ted Williams, which also feels brother. early. And then behind Ted Williams is Vlad Guerrero Sr., who was a free swinger. So that one just seems bizarre. And then behind him is Ken Griffey, who you go, yeah, that makes sense. Miguel Cabrera, yeah, that makes sense. And then number 10 is George Brett, which also feels a little bit weird because of the era, but he also played like 20, 21 seasons. And then it's Willie Stargell, and then it's Eddie Murray, and then it's Frank Robinson. Ah, oh, I just love looking at old baseball names. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a weird it's a weird list. I have nothing to add, so let's move on to our second subject. All right, so I figured we could move into something that broke today, now, literally 30 minutes before we started recording. Way to go, us, uh, for timing that out accidentally. I know, things never break this way for Corbin and Josh. This is the opposite of how it goes. Very much so. So today, The Athletic and Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic came out with an article talking about a proposed or a discussion that is happening within the bowels of MLB executive leadership and ownership in which they are contemplating the idea of maybe instituting a salary floor at $100 million. To couple with that would be a lowering of the salary tax threshold, aka the soft cap that is essentially um, part of baseball today, from $210 million where it is today down to $180 million. And that would be the trade-off for instituting the the floor in an attempt to get ownership to be slightly more competitive with their spending on the bottom end and the dropping of the luxury tax threshold at the top. A lot of that funding where they would increase the penalties as well would go towards funding the teams at the bottom. So Corwin, now this isn't official. MLB hasn't said anything to reporters yet, uh, like, like statement wise or, you know, whatever, but the fact it's getting leaked and the fact it's getting leaked late in the season heading into a CBA year obviously makes you think maybe they're just saying this for negotiations purposes come 
winter for the new CBA negotiations. But Corwin, what what do you think about this as a concept? Obviously, we've talked about this in the past, and I still would 100% support a price floor. And I think looking at these numbers, I would much... I would be much more favorable to implement the price floor, even at the expense of lowering the luxury tax, um, rather than just keeping the luxury tax where it is now at 210 million and, and allowing the, the price floor to be pushed to the next CBA. Um, I think it would do more to help balance the game and i think this would overall balance the game obviously it's not a good thing for players high-end players um it will you know price floor would help middle of the pack lower tier players um which at the end of the day i think is a global positive rich people are rich enough they don't need to get paid astronomically more just because of a limitless cap if you will um, I don't feel confident in this getting passed really at all, but I do really, really hope it is discussed and considered and passed ultimately. I, I am in complete disagreement. I hate this. Okay. Go on. Yeah. I, Continue. so obviously Corin and I have talked a lot and we both would love to see a salary floor because it's ridiculous. And this level of increase would, uh, I, based on what where Track has teams today, or where I guess where they're projected to be for 2022, based on current committed payroll, this would m- double the spending of uh, setting a $100 million floor, would double the spending of the Twins and the Mariners and the Royals and the Tigers and the Cubs, and triple the spending of the Rangers, Rays, Athletics, Pirates, uh, it would quintuple the spending of the Indians and the Marlins. The Miami Marlins only have $8.5 million committed to payroll in 2022 so far. I don't even understand how that I don't works. understand how that's possible. I, I, I don't even, I can't even, I don't even know. What to there say has to be some detail involved with that, that we're missing because I don't know how that, a like I truly don't rookies. know how that's possible. They make something, though. Fuck. Wow. No, dude, the only two guys who are not on rookie contracts or in arbitration years are Miguel Rojas and Anthony Bass. Everyone else is in is either pre-arb or arb. That's it. So those two guys don't factor into their adjustments. Oh, so that's why. So their salaries aren't even posted in spot track yet because they haven't been negotiated yet. So... Uh, because so arbitration, it's arbitration. right there you go okay so that's why it's only 8.5 million because miguel rojas is owed five and a half million and anthony bass is owed three million there you go that makes sense maths yep point being it would greatly increase the spending of a lot of teams that need to spend money anyway because well for one thing they're bad and spending money will make them better and for another thing it, it's it's about being competitive and having a competitive league the fact that the yankees or the whole AL East can feast on the Orioles when they play them, or at least they should, is uh, great when your team's playing them, but that's not how a division should work. You know, the fact that the NL Central is basically who wants to compete this year 
and you kind of have the division to yourself if you do it, uh, or the AL Central too, for that matter, is not how this should work. It should be required that all teams actually spend money to to have a balanced playing field so that there is enjoyment in watching baseball for all the teams. But the problem is at $210 million, the teams that can afford to pay that choose not to. And I say afford, and again, we give this caveat every time we talk about spending, all teams could spend way more money than they do. And they choose not to, I we're operating under real world constraints not the way things should be, even though I agree they should be that way. It's too difficult to give all those caveats. So that being said, even the teams that can afford to pay, you know, $210 million every season. So not your Rays or your, or your pirates or whatever, oftentimes don't because they don't want to face the minimal consequences that that, that spending has. And I don't think $100 million floor is worth reducing that by 30 million and introducing a new level of teams that usually can spend 185, $190 million and having them opt not to do it. Cause if we're being real, the teams that aren't spending a hundred million dollars right now, obviously can afford to, you are literally a billion dollar franchise. All of you. Well, at least over worth over half a billion. Like you're, you're worth a lot of fucking money. You can spend it. And all this really does. So like, it's not a factor for them. All this does is create extra savings for owners because the owners at the top are going to go, well, yeah, I would have spent $200 million this year, but now I can just point to this thing and say, I don't have to uh, because I don't like the consequences of it, which is true. You could pay them anyway, those consequences you just don't feel like it. And the owners at the bottom who could have afforded to pay this the whole time will be totally fine with that because they're still raking in cash hand over fist. It, it, I don't think it's an efficient system. I'm not saying it's an efficient system, but I disagree with that last point because, I mean, how many teams are over $180 million in payroll for this year? Uh, let me go back to this season. It's like Sorry. a handful. It is seven. So seven teams. And how many teams are under $100 million? Eleven. So, I, I mean, to me, at the end of the day, yes, all of these teams could afford to pay $100 million, but they're not. That, I think, is still doing more of a net positive, forcing every team to field a competitive roster rather than getting seven owners off the hook for $30 million. I don't think any of them are looking at this and saying, ha, now I don't have to spend that money because the teams that spend that much money are already the teams that understand, Hey, we can afford to spend this to get a competitive team to win a world series. We're going to, I don't think those are the teams that are causing issues. The teams at the top of the salary cap or the luxury tax aren't the ones making baseball worse. It's the teams not spending money. It's the tigers. It's the Rangers. It's the Indians. It's the pirates. I mean, it's every of those bottom salary dump to the Reds this year. Right. Like that's, which is fucking look, don't get me wrong. I know they can afford it. There are the New York Yankees. They can afford all the money in the world. Them spending $30 million less in payroll 
you know, next year, just for example, is not making baseball as a whole for the entire league worse. Having the Pirates spend 40 million, like having 11 teams spend $50 million in payroll next year because they don't think they would compete, don't want to spend the money when they're not going to be competing for a World Series and having 11 teams that are just unwatchable and you don't want to watch those games even when they're playing the Yankees because half the team fucking sucks. That's what's making baseball worse in my mind. And is this the ideal solution? No, I'd rather them not touch the upper echelons of the luxury tax. I'd rather them, you know, set a hard cap at, I don't know, 215 million, 220 million, and just say, fuck it, no going over. That's the limit, just like with every other major sport. And set a $120 million price floor so that at the very least, we have teams capable of spending enough money to field it. Like the NFL, their whole entire slogan, their motto, their you know mindset is any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, any NFL team can beat another NFL team. The Jets put out one of the worst field to teams either of us ever watched and still won two out of their 16 games. You put the Pirates on a field against any other team. Baseball's significantly more random than football ever will be. And they're not winning anywhere close to the same amount of games as they would if they're playing, you know, the Yankees in the same. If you were to equalize for the sports that they're playing, their team is nowhere near as talented as you would be able to. You know what the fuck I'm trying to say. You know I'm bad at words. I'm stopping talking. It's it's tough to get a gauge of... Because if we look at it dollars to dollars, right? How much dollars mm-hmm. would we be losing in spending assuming every team that is currently over the $180 million threshold cut down to be below that threshold? And how much spending would be increased every team below the $100 million threshold raised up to it. And I did not do the math on it, but I'm standing here looking, I'm sitting here looking at these numbers and I can guarantee you that the combined increase in spending of the bottom teams would outpace the spending of the reduction in spending of the larger Mm -hmm. teams. I, I mean, the, yeah, it, it's it's it wouldn't even be close. Like like the the the, the team that's off by the most or over by the most is the Dodgers by about eighty seven million dollars. Oh, yeah, and that eighty seven million dollars gets covered by basically just the bottom. We'll round it up three teams, and the other baseball uh, would be better without the Dodgers spending two hundred fucking ninety million dollars. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. That's part because that that's the thing with baseball is that money spent does not guarantee any level of success because right now the Dodgers aren't even winning their division. They're losing out to the Giants and the Giants historically can spend money, but they're only number 10 in the in the league. And so to avoid the conversation about. uh, Actual dollars for a moment. And to make it more about the concept of this and the concept of this, I 
just can't stand because it's introducing this false dichotomy that we have to choose between having a salary floor and also reducing the amount of money that's willing to be spent by the rich teams or not having a salary floor and not lowering the, the luxury tax threshold. And it's a choice that doesn't make any sense. And I, yeah, and I know, I know, and I know, you know that, and you mentioned that in, in part of your, your response to it. And that's the part of the drives me fucking nuts. And there MLB is saying that they're going to actually increase the penalties. At least that's what's in this article up to a 25% penalty. I think for the, for the first tier is what the article said for teams that went, that went over the $880 million threshold to help better subsidize the, the, the broke teams. And that is one of the other problems with doing this is that if you go over the luxury tax threshold for a couple seasons, eventually mm-hmm. the penalties will start getting worse, but it's nothing ridiculous. You can handle it. It's, it, I think it's like a 7% tax right now or something in that neighborhood. It's, it's, and then it gets progressively worse the more you go over. But part of the reason owners hate doing it is because if you're the Yankees, you don't want to be funding the Rays because the Rays are already good and they're only going to be better if they have more money, which they can spend on their own. And now you're going to be the one spending money on them to beat you more often. And yeah, it's like not, real- it's not even the idea of funding a team to make them better. It's just why would I give money to a team that already beats me X amount of times a year? Because they don't have to spend anywhere close to the amount we do type of mind. Like I, there's two sides to it that both feed into why teams wouldn't want it in my mind, wouldn't want to go over. And the real thing for me, the thing that would, I think bother me about it if I was an owner is that they can spend the money and they Mm -hmm. choose not to. It's not that they're so poor. Oh, look at them. Those lowly billionaires that own the Rays can't scrounge together enough money for a big, big, you know, baller signing. They choose not to. That's the issue with it. It's the it would be the Yankees giving money to the Rays, the uh, Dodgers giving money to the Diamondbacks or whoever. I don't know who's at the bottom in the NL. I guess the Pirates bottom in the NL for money to spend on baseball that those teams have anyway. I'm not trying to defend the owners hoarding money. I'm trying to argue that those guys at the bottom should be spending their own dollars instead of just creating a fun money economy between the MLB ownership, or they're just passing around the same buck to accomplish nothing. I'd rather that's the old white boys club of all sports, just to a whole nother level. um, Yeah, kind of. And, and the thing about it is, I would rather, and I, again, I know you agree with this already, but I, I would so much rather overall spending in the league to increase appreciably than missing out on top level signings because you don't, because the owners aren't going to do it. They're not, if you're the Dodgers, you don't trade for, for, for Max Scherzer doing with trying to make your, your pennant run. If you're the Yankees, maybe you don't even give Garrett Cole that gigantic ass contract. Now, granted, that means that he goes to another team and, and you can make an argument for parity, but I, I, I don't think part of that problem is if the Yankees aren't involved in Garrett Cole's bidding, that contract doesn't get that big. It ends up being 
it might end up being, you know, revenue neutral for the players where it's just instead of playing for a bigger team, they play for a smaller team. But if it takes some competition out of the bidding war to jack up contracts in the first place, because you have less competitive owners who don't want to go from 175 million to 185 million, it might end up reducing labor costs. Here's a question for you. Uh, uh, hypothetical, if you will. Let's That's say all we do the, on this show. <laughs> of course. Let's say Garrett Cole never got traded to the Astros. Okay. All right. So Garrett Cole's on the Pirates. This rule has already been implemented. The Pirates payroll is, what was it, like $45 million this year? Uh, that sounds right. Let's roll with it. So let's just say it happened to line up with the Ooh, year. Fifty-four million dollars. For argument's sake, let's say it's fifty or fifty-five. Yeah. It also just happened to line up with Garrett Cole's becoming a free agent. So the Pirates are at this dilemma of, hey, we have this franchise player. Fans fucking hate us for trading McCutcheon, trading Tyler Glass now, trading Austin Meadows, trading away every Shane Baz. Every, every, he hasn't even gotten good yet. Don't bring him up into this too. Just every piece that we've ever had that could make the Pirates a contender. We, I'm still falling back into that. I'm still falling under Stockholm Syndrome. Do we pay Garrett Cole? Fifty million dollars a year no. to reach this floor. Okay, uh, let me finish. Do you think that would bring us in more money in ticket sales, revenue, merchandise? We have this franchise player who, let's say, Garrett Cole is even better than he is. Do you spend it on that because spending fifty million on a handful of other players or paying all these other guys just like? $2 million a year more isn't going to make our team as good as having Garrett Cole, or at least not make us as much revenue as having Garrett Cole on our team. So the pirates are cheap. Yes. And that, and with additional market constraints of teams, not wanting to go over a threshold, you have to consider the fact that the pirates and, and every team that would is currently a low spender would do this. In my opinion, what they would do or what I would do if I was a penny pinching piece of shit owner, is I would give all players the smallest contracts I could possibly give them while still hitting the minimum salary floor to get to hundred million. Because if I gave Garrett Cole $50 million and my team is not good and I don't care about it being good. I just care about collecting ad revenue from broadcasts and stadium revenue for whatever. Then having Garrett Cole on my team, you muted yourself. Having Garrett Cole on my team does me nothing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give him the smallest contract I can get away with giving him because it helps his trade value. And I'm going to eventually trade him for whatever I can possibly trade him. Because if I sign him for $50 million just to cover whatever percentage of the floor I need covering, that man is unfucking tradable unless there's a yeah. team spending $125 million that doesn't mind taking on his contract. And that team is going to be very hard to come by. That's the problem. I about that. And that's why I don't yeah, think Garrett right. Cole would get the $36 million contract he has today because, you know, if you are at uh, $150 million, you'll take a $36 million contract. It doesn't even put you near the salary uh, luxury tax threshold yet. If you're at $200 million, you might take it because you're not going over by a terrible amount and you can just try to shed money elsewhere to cover for it next season. 
but it gets really tricky if the window that you have to operate in shrinks that much. Right now, the window of realistic operations is the low end, like $40 million, which totally sucks, but it happens, and $210 million. So there's a $170 million window in there. And that is so much room for teams that want to move players with expensive contracts to teams that can feel as though they can handle it and not suffer too much repercussions on behalf of the luxury tax threshold. If you lower that window from $170 million to $80 million, I don't think players get big contracts because it makes them fucking immobile. Now, obviously some players still will, you know, like whenever Juan Soto is due for his contract, even after this rule goes into effect, he's getting a massive deal, which he will deserve. But I would really worry about how teams are going to approach contract negotiations if if they don't have to spend as much money because there's a $180 million threshold and broke teams aren't going to dish out big contracts because they can't move those guys. Not without teams going over $180 million, which they're going to be so extra resistant to if the penalty is 25%. That's what's so tough about it. And that's why this is going to be a why are we lowering why are we lowering lowering the luxury tax? It doesn't make any sense. Is that do you think MLB is doing that just to tank the price floor when it comes to negotiating? Uh, it's tough to tell whether it's to tank the price floor or to get the players' association to concede on something else. Like they they definitely want to tank something, right? They definitely want to add like like they're trying to sneak chips onto the table. You know, like they're, 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 you, they want to use this for something. I just don't know what it is. Uh, we might never know what it is, but like if, if they wanted why, to issue why, the concession. Why are good faith clauses not implemented more in negotiations like this? Because when you're trying to hoard money, it's always in good faith. Everyone wants money. That's great faith. My faith is money. Welcome to church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But like, if they were to issue their like concession, or have, have we talked about the fact that you have to pay like a country club initiation fee just to go to church or temple? Oh well, uh, but hey, they don't hound you for money, and it goes towards like school fees, so I'm okay with that. But it is Whatever. excessive, and they actually are falling out of favor in a lot of synagogues. Good, which I is good, but at the same time. If your synagogue doesn't have dues and you can afford to give them something, I, I personally think you should, but whatever. Mon- money and religion is so tough, especially because most of the time it's horrible. Yeah, anyway. I prefer to keep money where it belongs, like politics. Yeah. <laughs> the the military-industrial complex, where it belongs. Yeah, those people work hard for their money. Raytheon. Raytheon. <laughs> I'm so unbelievably sad. <laughs> oh, we finally pulled out of Afghanistan, but at least Lockheed Martin stock went up. Did 20 years of gains is worth it, bro. Oh, fuck. I hate it. All right. Anyway, 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 if they issued their decree, depression, no societal progress. <laughs> if uh, baseball. If they issued their or said that they would be willing to concede on lo- just the increase in punishment for going over the luxury tax threshold, I still would not be thrilled. 
But I think that would make more sense than doing both. And obviously, again, like we said, they're probably only doing this to tank something and to make, you know, some extra level of negotiations to get something off the table from the Players Association. Otherwise, why leak this? Then none of it matters. But I think it would make more sense from everyone's perspective of teams are already operating under the 210 threshold avoidance as it stands today. The fucking, like I said, the Yankees fucking salary jump to the fucking Reds. Like, it's ridiculous. So just make the punishments more severe. Uh, I mean, if most teams don't do it anyway, and you'll still get a lot of spending out of teams that are willing to suck it up for like a year or two, like the Dodgers. That doesn't. Uh, ah, ah. Crotch of the old man sounds. Yeah. I'm going to add baseball to the list of things you can't talk about at gatherings, religion, politics, baseball. Yeah, it, it certainly is a challenge. Because uh, uh, I, I end up making that sound every time I talk about baseball. Uh, uh, every, time I, every time I talk about MLB. Every time I talk about baseball, I think I'm usually fine. But anytime I talk about MLB, it's... Uh... Hey, Josh, we, we did it again. What? We were at over an hour and we've talked about two topics. <laughs> I know. Of like the seven we have here. I know. And once again, we did the thing of uh, what else is going on? What else can we talk about? And we, we have only gotten through two. All right. So here, let's get through the third thing. It'll take a little bit of time, but I do want to talk about it because it, it's an interesting subject for us. It's the ESPN article I sent you. Uh, so for anyone who has not seen it, ESPN came out with like a fluff piece midseason, which is kind of hilarious because it's like it's mid. Do this in the offseason <laughs> when you have nothing to say, like like. There's so much things to say about baseball. But anyway, ESPN came out with an article about oh the God, eight yeah. things that they would change about uh, baseball if they were made commissioners for a day. And it's it's an it's a list full of things that I think have been discussed a lot, but for reasons I think that suck largely. And I don't think if we're going to change baseball, it's creative enough a list for you to really – in, instigate the types of changes that you'd like. And I thought it might be interesting fodder for a short talk about where baseball stands, what we would change about it, and why. Because again, this is something we've talked about a number of times. So let's, uh, I guess let's just start at the top here. And the first thing they have is shorten the season. Now, this has come up a lot in the past few years. Because ever, a lot of people say baseball is a very long season with all the off days that get instituted for players and teams. It, and it increases the length of the season because they add more time in between. There's more off days. Uh, you know, every team is guaranteed to get, I think, four off days, uh, four to six off days a month, if, if not more. Um, and no, now it goes, this season goes all the way from uh, March to, in some instances, depending on how long the playoffs go, all the way into November. It's a very long season. So I get that. I, I, I'm not sure I'm on board with it yet because I am, I can be very bullheaded about certain things, but I get it. The reason that this article gives though, I find to be very stupid. And their argument is that October is for base is for football. And so people aren't paying attention to baseball. They're paying attention to football. And if you shorten the season, then the playoffs happen in September, 
which is still football, but people will pay attention more to baseball because it's early, early football. And people don't pay attention to early football as much as second month football. And so they'll watch more baseball. For what reason? As a primarily football fan, I 100% understand what they're going after and fully support it. Not necessarily shortening the season, but even just moving it up into, you know, when does it start? End of April, early May? End of March, just, early April. Okay. Well, I guess it's hard to really move that up. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. Shorten seeds. I don't give a shit. But no, in all honesty, once kickoff of the first game happens in college football, first week of September, last week of August, that's where my focus is. I really, you know, outside of, you know, the big storylines for, you know, the end of the wild card races or, or the big playoff push, I'm watching football and my time during the week is going towards football rather than baseball. It's just, it's just the fact of the matter of that's the sport I prefer to watch when it's there because it is new and exciting and fresh and my team hasn't started sucking yet and there's still hope. And that and we talk about it every year between ourselves. And I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but once baseball comes, my interest in once football comes, my interest mm-hmm. in baseball tanks. Well, no, that's why I'm so skeptical of this change because I would think that having the baseball season having the baseball postseason start in September would be worse because people are going to start pivoting towards the new thing. That is, how is my team doing? How's my team looking on its first couple games? How's my new quarterback looking? How's the new coach looking? It, it, but it's also the best weather month to go to games. So if you're going to go to games, you're going to go probably in September, October, uh, usually September. Like I know for jets tickets, once it gets cold, those ticket prices tank. No, I prefer like late October, early, early November games for football. I'm not saying personal preference. I mean, generally speaking, weather wise for your average. Sure. I guess other people can have other opinions on weather, whatever. But, but that's what I'm saying. I, I, when you think of it, like for, you know, I know it's different in the NFL because of the way schedules are. You don't have, you know, fluff pieces, but college football, the first month of the season, the first six weeks of the season are typically powder puff teams. The ball states, the armies, Appalachian state, Kent state versus Hear that army bitches. Uh, army sucks. Get over it. It's not 1943 anymore. You guys can't field an all caliber team. Um, playoff baseball up against powder puff football teams and college football is a no brainer. Give me playoff baseball all day. But when it's playoff baseball in the end of October into November, when Penn state, for example, is playing Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, Iowa, these blockbuster games for college football. Sorry. I don't really want to watch the Yankees play the A's when I can watch Penn State play Ohio State. So I don't think it's perfect. Like none of these are. I do think there is some serious merit to the idea that, hey, we move the season up a little bit. We shorten the season a little bit. People are going to maintain that interest in playoff baseball, even while football starting more than they do now. I think my main issue with it is that they're phrasing the main goal 
or the main positive as an avoidance of America's most popular sport and not we are trying to find ways to make baseball more popular because we believe in the merits of it, not we're trying to avoid something else that is preventing. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it feels defeatist. It feels like it's saying we can't compete with football, so we're not going to. And while that might be true in small instances, like scheduling your playoff games, maybe not on Sunday nights to avoid conflicting with Sunday night football or some scheduling shit like that. Hockey does that a lot um, because it is played at the same time as, as football or same season as football. It, 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 it seems as though it's approaching for me, the wrong thing. I don't want my sport to have to be bolstered by, I don't know, trying to avoid indifference. I want you to try to lean into what makes it good. Like if they said we're going to shorten the season so that there's fewer rest days for players because they don't have to worry about stretching themselves out so long and you get to see your star players play more, which is the reason I've always bought into the most for shortening the season, then yeah, then that makes total sense. Like wouldn't you rather see Fernando Tatis Jr. end up playing 95% of his team games instead of uh, 86% of his team's games or whatever the math shakes out to um, help avoid injuries because the, the season won't be as like, like there's better reasons for it than we're really afraid of the football guys. And like, it, it feels like we're the nerds in the room trying to avoid a party full of jocks. Like wh- why is that your concern? Why don't you focus on being fucking cooler? Why don't you make your sport better instead of just trying to avoid sports that are apparently run better than you? That, that's a horrible way of doing business. Hey, you fucking nerd. Why are you trying to avoid getting beaten up by bullies? Just be cool. Just be better. Just be less fucking beat upable. It's your fault. Why are you dressed like that? <laughs> Just be taller, more handsome, and stronger. What the fuck? Or, like the rest of us lonely outcasts, be funnier. <laughs> yeah. Humor. The only thing getting us through hard times. Yeah. <laughs> and preventing us from getting fucking rocked on a daily basis. <laughs> Hello darkness my old friend you know what i'm saying like like that's what rubbed me the wrong way about it i do and could you imagine someone could you imagine someone became commissioner and was like guys we can't compete with other things and we're not gonna try we're gonna we're gonna make people watch baseball by process of elimination (laughs) (laughs) yes i it honestly just brings me to the one of the other points they have on this list that i hate which is expanding to 32 teams I don't want more baseball teams. I don't want more. It's hard enough already watching a thousand different baseball players that I don't know half of them. Half of them are, let's be honest, not great ball players. They're great ball players compared to us, just not compared to all-star baseball players. It's just one of those things where it's like no team has five deep starting pitching outside of the Padres six months ago and the Dodgers like it's I'd rather have less teams with a more complete team than 32 teams with even less pitching and just having to watch fucking Matt Strom pitch for fucking six innings like he did yesterday or however many he pitched like it's that's not enjoyable baseball compared to having a four-man rotation with four great pitchers this is, this is something that I've heard talked about across all sports is if the talent pool thins, like if every major league ball player today all died in a mass casualty event 
and we had to bring up all players from like triple A and double A, would you notice that the product on the field is worse or would the fact that the competition is level because all former major league players died, be make it unrecognizable to you because theoretically if someone's still getting 10 strikeouts a game, but because they're facing a worse hitter, do you notice that? And I think the answer is, I don't want to find out. <laughs> like we I don't I doesn't... need to find, we already know that. Have you watched college baseball? Have you watched high school baseball? They suck. It's hard to watch. As, as a, as a fan of a, well, I guess now they're an affiliated team. I was going to say of an, of an indie team. Uh, yeah. Like you, you do notice, but the other thing about it, I think misses the point is that you either do this because there's just a surplus of major league talent held in the minors, which there is, but not for the reason that there's not enough teams for the reason that teams try to avoid paying those people, or you do this to expand the sport into other geographical areas that don't have teams. The problem with this is that it feels so tone deaf because a lot of those places did have teams, minor league teams. And then what happened? Oh yeah. MLB cut like 40 of them. And so I get the point of wanting to increase your geographical presence of actual live baseball. There's other ways of doing it that already existed and the infrastructure is there for it and would probably be more sustainable because it'd be so localized, which is baseball's one of baseball's strengths and MLB gutted it. And the problem with expanding the teams is that half the problems we have with ball right now is stodgy ownership refusing to pay people. And that's not going to get better. Like that, the, the fact that there's not enough teams is not an issue. There's enough teams. There's not mm-hmm. enough owners willing to spend any fucking money. And if you want to increase geographical presence, maybe MLB should start partnering with some more independent leagues and give them some fucking money to go set up Northeast, uh, Northwestern ball clubs, because there's nothing between like Portland and Iowa. There's nothing there. So again, wrong way of approaching this, in my opinion, I don't think makes baseball appreciably like Portland having a baseball team. How is that going to make us better if Portland's baseball team also isn't paying their minors and is also only spending $40 million a year on, on, on their major league team. Like, how is that going to help? I don't think it is. It's a symptom, not, 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 not a, not the disease there. And then the realignment part of this, which I think maybe a a little bit less contentious in a real world impact way, a little bit more just how you feel kind of way. How would you feel about a geographical realignment? This one gets very weirdly complicated by calling the leagues divisions and then calling the divisions pods. But essentially this just wants the divisions to be changed to be geographical. So like the Mets would play, the would be in the same division as the Yankees and shit like that. Uh, how would you feel about that? About calling things pods? I think well, that about, we should call everything pods. Everything's a pod now. We're all pods. You were born in a pod. You'll die in a pod. You'll be buried in a pod. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. <laughs> I've lost all train of thought. What are we talking about? So this is, this is basically the way hockey's run. For anyone who doesn't watch hockey, like it is geographically. Based. Oh right, minor leagues. No, no, not the minor leagues. Um, no, I truly forgot what we were talking about based off of the discussion on pods. 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 
so you know the Devils, the Islanders, and the Rangers are all playing the same division. So yes. it would be like that, basically. How would you feel? About yes, that? I like that. It makes like the rivalries that we have in hockey in the NHL are so much better than we have anywhere else in any other sport because they are all just so instrumentally close to each other. As a fan, you can go. I can go personally to a Flyers game, a Devils game, a Rangers game, an Islanders game, a Penguins game within four hours of where I am now. You forgot the uh, Capitals. Capitals. They're also within four hours. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like having them close is fucking fantastic. And obviously there's already some serious um, rivalries and, you know, you have the Padres right there with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are right there. It's all relatively close, but I do think there's something to be said about having them all very centrally located. And yeah, there would be something missing with a complete realignment of all of baseball. Absolutely. But I think it would be for the best. Yeah, I, I, I don't have too much of a sticking point or of a – if MLB decided to do this in conjunction with doing something that was actually productive and good, I, I'd probably whine, but I don't, I don't think you care too much at the end of the day. I don't like the reasoning that this article chose, which is it increases the communal um, outrage or, or uh, uses the, the regional aspect of baseball to its advantage because, I mean – the rivalries today seem pretty angry and that seems to be good. Uh, there's no Angry's reason geographically good, yeah. that Chicago should hate St. Louis. And yet it does whenever the cards are in town. Uh, there's, there's no reason that, that uh, New York city should hate Atlanta. And yet it does when the Braves are in town and mm. oh, you know, no, there's, there's a couple reasons to hate Atlanta. Well, yeah, but I, I largely wouldn't, it's, you know, Part of me says it, it just doesn't wouldn't change anything because, you know, all those teams you can go see that are four hours away. If they all played in div- divisions, the teams wouldn't move. Those stadiums would still be there. You could still go do that, mm-hmm. um, which is why I don't. Part of my indifference just is a big old fucking why would you bother? <laughs> but, you yeah, know, if, I... if if the Yankees ended up not being in the same division as the Orioles, like I'm not sure I would notice much. And that's not to say, fuck the Orioles. It's just that the, that that rivalry isn't horribly strong and. Now, as long as, as long as Boston was still in our division, I'm not sure I'd really give a shit. I just want to see us beat up them because that's that's the big one. You know, and I think as long as every team had their big one, then you'd probably be fine. But it just feels I again, I don't think that's solving your problem either. I, I if your problem is local viewership, I don't think having the White Sox play the Cubs more frequently is getting more people in Chicago into the game. If anything, it might reduce some of the fun for when that actually does happen once a year, twice a year. But mm-hmm. uh, again, mostly I'm shoulders on this one. I'm, I'm... Well, speaking of local viewership, what's the next one on this list? Pitch clock. What's the next next one on this list? Robo-wumps? All right, motherfucker. I need you to scroll a little bit here. Oh, blackout restrictions. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this one I think it, it, it's almost almost not worth putting in the article because you're going to receive zero pushback on this. 
I, everyone agrees with this. It makes absolutely no sense. This is a hangover from an, the old idea that we don't want to lose out on ticket sales and, and vendor food revenue by people opting to stay home instead of going to the games. Every sport used to do this to some extent. Uh, and nowadays that's not, no sport does it, <laughs> but baseball. They're the only sport that does it now because that's not a trade-off people actually take seriously in real life. So all it's doing is preventing people who don't have cable from watching their team play. And that's not a winning strategy because that means that those people aren't watching advertisements, which means you're not making money on those people. You ever tried canceling a newspaper subscription? Anyone out there? No, they don't want you to do and never had a newspaper subscription. It's been a dead medium my entire life. Oh, of course. But so <laughs> if you ever try, because if you ever get one, if you ever try, they'll just keep, they'll basically offer you the fucking thing for free because newspaper subscriptions, they don't make their money on the membership. They make their money on advertisements. And the way that they make more money on advertisements is saying we have 10,000 people signing up to be a part of our newspaper. And if they let you cancel and they let every other fucking Jamoke who calls to, to, to cancel their subscription cancel, that number might drop from 10,000 to 8,000. And then they can't charge as much for advertising revenue. The 25 cents to a dollar that you pay per month for your newspaper doesn't mean shit to them. What matters is the advertising revenue. And it's amazing that MLB hasn't realized that fact. And not even just that, where they could increase their viewership, even a marginal amount to increase the cost of advertising with their platform. They actually could charge some serious money for people to watch those games and people would pay because baseball fans are very committed and you'd be getting 162 games worth of content. And that's pretty fucking good. Well, not 162. Oh, in this scenario? Well, wouldn't it be like if the Yankees are away, what can't we still stream the Yankees games? Cause it's not no, within because our it's area. Still, it's still, it's still technically considered locally broadcast because it would appear on a local cable station. Yeah. It wouldn't be 162 games because of some of the national broadcasts. So if you had like ESPN or some shit, it would be there. But yeah, like if the, when the Yankees play in Los Angeles, like those games are still locally broadcast because the contract that the Yankees have with yes, or the contract the Mets have with, um, SNY is a local broadcast contract. Like, like they're local to New York. Wow, I hate that so much. Yeah, it's awful. So again, this is one I think everyone agrees with, um, and is stupid. But the problem is, the problem is, it's a card that MLB holds, and so they're not just going to do it, even though it benefits them to fucking do it. They're not just going to do it unless they can get something in return for doing it. Because why should MLB do a good thing that benefits them and harms nobody when they could do something that benefits them and harms somebody? They will pick that option every day of the week. It's amazing how the more into baseball you get, the more I just don't want to watch baseball and be into baseball and just. Yeah. Yeah. This article also mentions that MLB is very uh, tight fisted around the rights for their videos. And so a lot of play uh, uh, young fans and, and like social media people oftentimes get their stuff taken down because of copyright violations, that thing that's, that has not been just an MLB thing, but once again, just like with blackouts, it is slowly becoming more of just an MLB thing as all platforms used to do that. All leagues used to do that. 
to some extent, but other leagues came to the obvious realization that, hey, if foolish baseball is willing to make baseball content that we don't have to pay for, that seems like a pretty fucking good deal. It would seem like free fucking advertising. Oh, and people coming up with their own creative and interesting content that is just bringing in more and more people to the uh, to the game. Oh, that's a positive thing where not only do we not have to pay someone to create it or pay for you know a company to distribute it or to advertise it or to do all these other things, that's it's doing it for free. It's going beyond what we are even capable of doing ourselves. Oh, and what happens if someone does something with your content that you don't like or that society deems to be reprehensible, like uses it for some, says something bad, the guy who made the content is a racist piece of shit or something like that? Easy. You just go, that's not our guy. We'll pull his con. We'll, we'll set, submit a copyright claim against him or or we don't, rep- it doesn't, rep- he doesn't fucking work for you. Like people are bad people There's no matter what. literally no downside. Literally none. Literally none. Uh, let's let's blast through a couple of these because I think they're also going to be pretty quick. Uh, adding a pitch clock, this one also feels obvious. Yeah. Again, minor leagues have had pitch clocks for a while. Uh, college has pitch clocks. Most young ball players today probably grew up and went through the minors with a pitch clock. It wouldn't affect the game, uh, or it wouldn't affect the players really detrimentally in any true way outside of a handful of dudes that take slightly too long. And I think it, it can't hurt. I'll put it that way. I don't think it could hurt. It, how much it helps, I have no idea, but I don't think it can hurt. Agreed. Uh, which brings us like to... Like they were rope. saying, uh, like reading in the details of the article, they were saying um, a game from 1984 and a game from 2021 that were broken down with, you know, the same number of runs, same number of base runners, hits, walks, pitches thrown, like box score wise, nearly identical games. The one in 1984 finished 34 minutes sooner because of all of the added time in between pitches. I would also love to know, though, because I, I, I have a hard time believing it's just that. How much longer is the average commercial break today? That's what I would also like to know. Because even if it's only by, I don't know, two minutes minutes, for sure a minute per commercial break with how often we change out pitchers which mlb limited teams abilities to do because it said that that was what was too long if if it's still a minute longer per commercial break and we have all more reasons to take commercial breaks and mlb isn't shortening their commercial breaks to accommodate for a shorter runtime of their product then you can change all the things you want on the field if it's an exponentially larger increase in advertising time it's not going to change anything but right. yeah I, I at the same time though shortening the game in some way that doesn't affect the on-field product feels like a no-brainer every time you can do it so not going to argue yes. too much on this Agreed. robo umps which i feel as though has also already. become huh uh, i just said do it already yeah i was just saying it, it feels it's come, become rather commonplace of a thing people want. I don't see nearly as much pushback to it today as I once did. I think to do this, you also likely have to shrink the strike zone because getting borderline pitches today, like if we keep the same size of the box and pitches barely graze it, 
I think more often than not, players and umps would agree a lot of those would be balls as called mm-hmm. today. And it wouldn't take a lot to just shrink the strike zone by however much an inch, two inches, whatever, to accommodate for some of that barely clipping the zone. Like strikes should still be obviously strikes. There shouldn't be right. too much that would normally be a ball stuff. So, and the cool thing about robo umps is you could just change what they see as the strike zone in any way you want. Just push some fucking buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Technology is cool that way. Yeah. And again, you know, this wouldn't replace the home plate ump. Home plate ump still has to call foul balls. Uh, they still have to check, uh, call check swings. They still have to make calls to the plate. Like, and again, this is something that's John Heyman up there to call check swings. <laughs> Fucking no. <laughs> Walks up to the plate. That's You're a strike. I, I didn't move. You're out. He hasn't thrown the ball yet. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but he looked menacing enough. You look like you were gonna. You look like you were gonna swing at that one. <laughs> John, one Hayman, of the rules they have in this article. One of the rule changes in this article should have been to just eliminate John Heyman. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to laugh at that too much because it sounds very serious. But at the same time, he is so fucking bad at what he does. Do you see that when uh, reporting that Chris Bassett was going to be okay, he concluded with, and most importantly, his vision's fine. And it's like, I think most importantly, he didn't die and isn't going to have brain damage. Not that he could potentially pitch later this season because his eyes still work. You fucking asshole. I, he took I a 100 mile an hour comebacker to the dome. I don't think his main concern yet is sight. I think it might be continuing to live. I can't tell you a time where I've seen a like baseball opinion of his where I've been like, yeah, I agree with John Heyman. Yeah, it's a good idea, John. Way to go. Yeah, you so know that meme? You're just an asshole, dude. You know that meme, the worst guy you know says something that you agree with? That piece from The Onion? With that guy just staring sad? No. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Am I old now? You ha- Honestly, you're not even old because this is not new. It is a very old Onion article. And the headline is the worst guy, you know, made a good point for once or some shit like that. And I've never once had one of those thoughts with John Heyman. You'll have to say never, I've never once been like, I, I, how did you get here? Um, so anyway, robo umps, I think we're both like, yeah, I don't really give a shit about their reason for it. I already agree. Uh, the allowing of the trading of draft picks, which we have talked about several Mm -hmm. times. Corwin Heller, what do you think about this? I don't see why not. It's just another way for teams to find a competitive advantage. I've never seen it be an issue with other leagues. I don't know why it would be for baseball, even though I feel like with the way certain things are set up, it's just a way for teams. I, I don't know. No, let's just allow it. I think any yeah. issues that would arise could be self-correcting or easily corrected. Yeah, I I don't think there's really any downside to this either. And in fact, the, I'm my only complaint with it is that it's not going to be extreme enough if you want to make a splash as commissioner, because this, again, feels very tame. Instead, you should go right. the uh, Randy route and go so bold as to say eliminate the draft altogether and just go straight into free agency. If we're going to be having a whole bold 
if you're going to be making big sweeping changes, then why not go big on it instead of doing something so tame? You remember when Randy said that on the show? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was thinking about trying to think of someone like in baseball media, like big name, like obviously Randy is a part of baseball media. He literally directs baseball media. And he's going to be a big name because he's got that documentary coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So trading the draft picks. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I, I don't see a downside because part of, you know, the guy who looks for the holes in, in things version of me wants to say maybe it'll keep broke teams from spending money somehow, but I actually don't think it even would. Uh, if anything, they'd probably trade away more players to get even cheaper to accumulate draft picks to draft yeah. more cheap talent, which uh, would actually end up making them better if they could do that. So um, there might be some negative consequences, but I don't think it would outweigh most of the positive consequences. But at the same time, let's just eliminate the draft altogether and make those people get paid. And again, like any negative issues that arise, it's not like it's innately something to do with the way baseball players are drafted or the way baseball is played that draft picks are more or less valuable or can be taken advantage of. It's just, okay, there's other rules that need to be put in place to kind of hold this up that every other sport has. It's not like it's unachievable. Right. And while it might seem like it would make tanking worse, it's the only other thing I could think of that you might want to say to in the contrary of this opinion, it's hard to think how tanking could get much worse in the MLB than it is today. Yeah. You have teams running a quarter of the payroll of some other teams. It's really tough to imagine well, how, how tanking could get much worse than it is today. What's what's 270 divided by 50? That's, that's not how that math was incorrect. It's about 20%. Five... I was doing it backwards. I was getting 5.4. Yeah, it, it, it should be uh, 24%. Yeah. Yeah. Math yeah. is hard. It is. So, anywho. Eliminate math from baseball. How about that? Fuck it, nerd. Hey, where would our podcast be without math and baseball? <laughs> Juicing the... So, uh, uh, no. Juicing the without uh, math, there is no numbers. Juicing the stretching the wind up. That was a good joke, and I will not back down on it. You don't have to, my friend. All right, second to last point on this article: uh, pay minor leaguers a living wage. Obviously, this is also a very non-controversial point. I'm not, I'm not debating this. Yeah, uh, I would also say though, why stop there? Pay minor leaguers a premium wage. Why should they get paid minimum wage to do something that basically no one else can do? So, uh, but again, this is something that no one's going to disagree with. This is absolutely something that should happen. Um, and if not going even farther than this, so no reason to, I guess, dilly dally on it, except to make ourselves sad. So let's move on to the final point here. Yeah. And that is the most abstract concept that they have here, which is rethink the role of commissioner. So this is a point that I that we again touch on a lot here, and that is that uh, the commissioner is supposed to represent the game, but works and is essentially beholden to ownership, and that creates perverse incentives 
because what ownership wants is not necessarily what is good for the game. If an, if I'm an owner of a team and my only goal is money, that comes at the expense of that money that I want going to other things that could improve the game, whether that's my product on the field or almost anything that has to do with the game, better outreach programs, better broadcast qualities, better ballparks experiences, better ticket discounts so that more people can go to the stadiums, whatever. If my main concern is putting the dollars in my pocket, they can't go to other places in the game that can help improve it in a bunch of various angles and avenues. And so that in that respect, this makes absolute sense. And is one of the things that I had very, very briefly talked about with Shakia Taylor the other day, which is if the role of the commissioner is just occasional rule changes and doing what the owners want to do. I mean, he's, he's no different than uh, a survey monkey survey. And I mean, uh, the uh, sycophant and which is essentially what Rob Manfred is. And so hmm. this one absolutely feels necessary. I, I was trying to think after I read this of what the alternative would be. Because obviously the owners aren't going to agree to institute a guy that they have no control over. And I was thinking about it and it might be tough and it might be a lofty, very uh, rose colored glasses kind of approach to it. They could have someone who must be agreed upon by the owners in 50% and the players association in 50%. They're the players union. So that both feel represented by the person who runs the sport. That could be a way to do it. But logistically, that might be difficult. And obviously, the owners are all literal billionaires and carry a lot of sway. But that might be something. I don't know. Um, But regardless, what do you think about this potential rule change? I do like the idea of changing the role of commissioner. And I do like the idea of having like the Players Association and the owners both having to agree on a... um, uh, Kamesh, thank you. Words are hard. Um, I think just for the sake of making baseball interesting, not necessarily better right away, but at least more interesting, let's just make it A-Rod and just let him run free for... Jose Canseco. Three years. Oh, no, because that would destroy baseball. Would it? A-Rod, I think, would have the positive intentions and just be bad at it enough where... It would be hilarious because he's a crazy person. Jose Canseco's a crazy person, but would do like this is like the conversation of electing Donald Trump. What's the worst he could do? He could do literally anything. And that's the scariest part. Like he's that kind of crazy. He'd make every he'd change out the national anthem for uh, a song swearing our fealty to the alien people. He would make a rule where Jose Caseco has the ability to bat for any player at any given time with unlimited subs and then just go play baseball by himself for like three hours while both dugouts are just kind of standing there. And there's just like one pitcher just on the mound, just like, guys, what the, what the fuck is going on here, guys? Come on. That's 27 strikeouts, you know, just every Jersey has to have a picture of Jose Canseco somewhere on it. Just replacing the little Nike swoosh. She's like, all right, we're getting rid of the swoosh. You guys hate it on the jerseys. 
but we have to put something there because it's you know it'll be gross when you rip those patches off we're gonna put jose caseco there every uh he, he adds in roberto clemente day but he also adds in jose canseco day it's the same day <laughs> it's the same day it's the Look same the day. Switch uniforms every inning. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Jose Consenco's face and a little Roberto Clemente patch. And it's advertised as Roberto Clemente Day, like Roberto Clemente Day, under a Jose Consenco Day. He, de- he decrees that A-Rod isn't allowed to talk about baseball anymore. <laughs> and he celebrates by having every, instead of like a team taking a bus to the game, they have him fly in on like a little Piper Cub as like a commemoration to Roberto Clemente, but it's just in such poor taste that everyone hates it. And he's awful. Every team has to warm up to JLo. <laughs> Literally JLo has to be there. If a team is going to play, <laughs> she flies to 16 different ballparks every single day or 15 different ballparks every day. Oh man. Who would you pick as commissioner if you had to pick a commissioner? Um, like a serious pick. Right. I'm trying to think of a serious pick. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Adrian Beltre. Oh, love Adrian Beltre. Oh, if we're going player, probably go Sean Doolittle. <laughs> Going guy, maybe Ozzy Brockmeyer, not the actor, but the character Brockmeyer. I hate, I hate to, to pick someone that we one. actually know, but I also would really love to actually see Randy Wilkins be commissioner. That'd be super fun. Um, he has the right attitude for it of just like I don't fucking care. I'm just gonna do it because I'm commissioner, and I think it would be best. And I he's a good dude, and he's smart. Like there's really no reason to not pick Randy. And but if I was as much for- as this, as much as this is going to sound terrible, but unfortunately also true, he's a minority, and that would be really great for baseball. Uh, yeah, they have horrible minority representation at all levels, and it. Shows- could you imagine? Could you imagine how much baseball would change if a black minority baseball fan was commissioner of baseball? Oh, whoops, sorry, we misunderstood. Here's Eric Adams. <laughs> what's the uh what's the super Eric Adams just right? pops out of the woodwork like I heard you needed a guy. Who's that uh super alt-right African American black um woman who's like super outspoken against oh, black Candace Owens? Yeah. That would fucking suck. Oh, Fuck man. Eric Adams. Let's get Eric Andre in here. I was gonna say for I, I that was so I was gonna say for peak chaos though it would probably be Eric Andre. That, or, oh, that would be wild. Or co-commissioners Jesus Amaro. <laughs> Eating butt is mandatory. I want I want it to be Eric Andre and his first decree as commissioner of baseball is to make Hannibal Buress lifetime commissioner. <laughs> oh, Especially God. since I can I think rightly assume Hannibal is not a fan of baseball. And, any particular way. Hannibal is actually a colossal sports fan. No kidding. Huh. Yeah, he he has a small gambling problem. <laughs> small? When any celebrity is said to have a small gambling problem, I just assume they are several million dollars in debt. Nah, he's not bad. He just really game. likes sports. 
He's a true through and through Chicago guy with his team affiliations. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Gonna go join the lady army. Fucking, I gotta rewatch the Eric Andre show. I think I'm gonna do that when we turn this off. I think I'm just gonna go turn on Eric Andre. Um, So, yeah, I just a little bit all the way back around. I I would agree. And again, I think every baseball fan would agree. I've never talked to a baseball fan that thinks Rob Manfred's doing a good job. And I granted that might be a little bit of confirmation bias because we talk to people who also hate him. But have you talked to anyone who's had a neutral opinion of Rob Manfred? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't really I've never once talked to somebody who was like, no, no, he's killing it up there. Like even the people even like like people my dad's age that I've talked about baseball don't like him and whether they hate him like I hate him or even disagree with him for the reasons that I disagree with him. Uh, he has made a lot of, if you're an old time baseball fan, he's not your guy. either. you know, like right. shortening games to seven innings um, and then, you know, changing a bunch of like the minor shit that might be, doesn't matter, but you have feelings about like limiting mound visits, limit uh, the number of uh, batters you have to face as a reliever before you come out. Like there's other little things in there that have been adjusted. Plus just the fact that this has become a three true outcomes league during his tenure. And while I think you and I are fine with that, because that's, I mean, what they Absolutely. say you should do, who gives a fuck. Um, if you're an old school baseball fan, that's not something you like. And you could tie that very easily to Rob Manfred. So because of his juicing of the balls specifically, but also, but not you, of the numbers, not of the numbers. We juice the numbers. He juices the balls and he juices our balls and we can juice his numbers. Let's juice <laughs> so, our balls. So I, 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 I can't imagine it would be an unpopular thing to do, but the uh, unfortunate thing is that it'd be unpopular amongst 30 owners. And well, folks, those are the only 30 people that matter in sports. Apparently is the people who own the teams, not the people who play sport, the people who own the teams. I really remember want to people now, but we have to wait. <laughs> remember people, every, every type of government's an oligarchy. Yeah. Except for communism. That is very much still an oligarchy. Come join the cause comrades. Dun, 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 dun. God, I can't ever <laughs> sing the Soviet national anthem without it being that fucking wedding song. Uh, wait, uh, uh, here comes the bride. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I have it on my phone, though. I'm going to put that on as soon as we end. I'm going to put on Eric Andre, and I'm going to piss on a picture of Rob Manfred I'm going to print out when I go buy a printer someday. <laughs> Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on that are also unsavory, but this is now well over like an hour and a half, I'm guessing. So we're just going to have to cut it off it's here. It's approaching two hours. Well, we've been talking for two hours, but we've been here longer than the than the recording has been. But oh, well. Our time and, is their time, Josh. Okay, we can end now. Okay. We are a public stop. utility. We are a podcast of the people. <laughs> Today's podcast brought to you by the U.S. government. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to, can we, can you do a little editing and have our song at the end of this just be the Soviet national anthem? (laughs) Take us away. (laughs) Oh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, 
You can do so at Juicing Pod. If you'd like to hit uh, Corwin Heller up on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.